Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Joined today, he's the host of the Evolving Minds with Phil Hampton podcast, mental health advocate and HR representative. It's Phil Hampton. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm doing great, Alex. Good, Happy to be here. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your Rise to the Challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up? Yeah, great question. So I'm from Southern California, just near Los Angeles. Um, born and raised there. I grew up in a large family of, of, I have seven other siblings. So my parents had eight kids, which is a pretty big. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I have six sisters and one brother. So, and my, my, my brother is the oldest sibling and he, we're about 11 years apart. So I was very close to my sisters growing up and um, dealing with all the girl drama and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so I was much more closer to, to my sisters. And, um, we were all homeschooled as well. Um, at least most of us were to a certain point. And then, yeah, I, I I was really passionate, um, with, uh, I I was also involved in, uh, Boy Scouts, which was kind of part of my church. So I was a Boy Scout. I, I became an Eagle Scout eventually, which was a big accomplishment within the Boy Scouts of America program, um, or organization, I should say. And, I I really liked sports, football and basketball. Um, and yeah, just, just being with uh, my family and back to the homeschool thing, we would, it's kind of fun because we would go on like field trips and we would go to like Legoland or SeaWorld oh. um, and like the, the LA Zoo. And it was just like a really fun, entertaining, educational type places. Um, so that was always fun. And um, yeah, I... Um, it's funny because I wanted to play football for like the longest time when I was like 13, 12 years old, but I was homeschooled. So I was like, I can't play really in high school unless I go to high school, unless I join some type of like football, like Pop Warner League or something. Right. Um, but what's funny is that I eventually started to play this football city league type thing. And I don't know if you remember, I'm sure you know this movie. But it was around this time when the movie Remember the Titans came out with Denzel Washington. Yep. And I was trying to convince my mom, like, I want to play football. Like, I want to play tackle football and, like, have fun, you know. And so we, um, ironically, we went to the movies to see that film. And there was a couple of scenes, you know, where people are getting tackled, kind of hit really hard. And so after she saw that, she was like, you are not going to play football. I don't want you to get hurt. So that kind of kind of crushed me a little bit but um it wasn't my path and i and i realized that but um yeah so that's kind of what what my childhood and teenage life kind of consisted of well i'm jealous that you got to go to like SeaWorld and legoland as a field trip because here <laughs> in missouri we don't have that option i mean we went to six flags but Ooh, that was fun. like a a reward for the end of like i think like graduation or whatever i'm thinking it was middle school like eighth oh, okay. grade graduation before you went off to high school i the think high school. that's when yeah. i'm like okay but i'd rather go to SeaWorld or even if, like disney i mean that would be yeah fun. you talked about being homeschooled and a lot of times homeschool kids aren't kind of interactive with other kids and yes. you talked about different activities that you're involved in with, like the boy scouts the eagle scouts sports yep. 
Was that a great opportunity for you to interact with other kids so that you didn't feel it like an individual being homeschooled? Because mm-hmm. you had your siblings, mm-hmm. but you didn't get to be like yourself and get to know other people. Yeah, great question. Yeah, I definitely um, kind of felt that a little bit, but I feel like um, because I had those activities, it really helped me. And I feel like homeschooling kind of has this negative yep. connotation to it, like people aren't really social. They're kind of awkward and they don't pick up on social cues and things like that. But luckily, you know, I was really involved in my church, um, which, which was really like almost a daily thing with like youth activities and things like that. And yeah, playing football and having different activities with, with different homeschool groups really allowed me to become more social because as you know, a lot of homeschool people, they just, stay at home and they don't really get to yep. go out and create different relationships with friends and communicate and things. So yeah, it definitely helped me. I think without doing those things, I probably would be a lot more strange. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, but yeah. But I think that would make you, you would be unique in a way. Cause when True. I went to college, I had a friend who was homeschooled and you would never have known unless he told you. And I think mm. college was a great way for him to actually interact with other people for the first time. And he was just being himself. And then you just get used to it. And then you just see him just enjoying and having fun. Comparing to your other siblings, were you one of those people where you wanted to get out and start doing things? Or did they kind of just do the same thing and you kind of were following in the footsteps? Because you mentioned your brother was 11 years older than you. So yes. was it two different things? Like he was the guinea pig and then everything changed by the time it got to you. Yeah, great, great question. Because you know what? My parents had this, like their whole idea of doing homeschool was to give us more opportunities to learn different things, like learn instruments yes. or or different, different uh, passions. You know what I mean? So that was a really positive thing with homeschooling. Um, but I feel like, yeah, I feel like, so like I said, we have, there's eight kids in my family and we're all sort of like two, three years apart from each other going down the line. But um, yeah, I would say, I would say that they, the first half of my siblings were sort of the guinea pigs um, and it really worked out the best for them during their homeschool years. And then when it came to the second half of the kids, I think my parents sort of not got lazy, but just, um, just over the, I mean, my dad was a contractor, so he would be working a lot. My mom was busy with all the kids at home. So I, yeah, I think the, the, the last half of us sort of didn't get the best attention with, with our school. Um, and, and the, understandably so my mom was busy with kids and and my sister my youngest sister has down syndrome so when she was born that took up a lot of the space you know what i mean in the family you know she took up a lot of the attention rightfully so and um yeah i would say yeah i would say that that that's true as far as like the guinea pig type thing that you were referring to but i mean i i look back on it now and i have no regrets like there was times where i wanted to go to high school and I asked my mom, hey, like, I want to go to high school like, as a freshman, you know, and be with my friends that are all there. Like, I want to hang out with them and meet new people, you know. Um, and I think she was a little bit hesitant because in the church, like, with the, within Mormonism, it's very, like, you want to stay within your Mormon community. 
because mm-hmm. outside influences can possibly negatively influence you and do bad things, right? Your typical high school kids like smoking weed or whatever, yeah. sk- skipping class. So I think she had this fear that her kids wouldn't be good people if they went to public school uh, along coupled with, you know, they wanted to kind of create or establish an opportunity for their, their kids to, you know, discover new talents. Like I said about musical instruments, my family's all really musical. Um, my brother is um, a musical genius. Like he can hear a note and know exactly what note that is. Like he's, <laughs> like he has that, that talent. My sister plays violin. I play guitar. I can kind of sing a little bit. <laughs> um, so we all have had that, that um, type of experience with music. And I think music is so powerful, man. And music is, is a, a truly like a, a gift. It's really therapeutic and, and healing. And so growing up, I actually taught myself to play the guitar because we couldn't afford guitar lessons. So I really enjoy playing the guitar and just, I would look at guitar tab books and go on these websites and try to just teach myself. And it was really fun. It was really fun to do that and to, to play with my siblings and kind of harmonize together and sing together and things like that. So, so yeah, it was a blast. Growing up, what was that dream job for you? Mm, That's another great. And do you think the impact of being in the church played a factor on you being able to accomplish that dream too? Mm, Yes. I'm glad you said that. I I would say yes to that second part. Um, Yeah. You know, it's interesting because when you're in a church like that, that's really like strict and things, it kind of limits you. I think looking back now, I can see how it limited me and um I don't hold like any resentment towards it anymore. I, I used to, um, but yeah, it definitely, I definitely feel like I was limited in my career options or choices. I wanted, I didn't really know what I wanted to, to be. My dad was a contractor. So I kind of wanted to do what, what my dad does, just kind of like what most kids do. I want to do what, what my mom or dad does. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of had that passion, but I didn't like to do manual labor. <laughs> being outside in the heat. I'm just like, oh, like screw this. Right. <laughs> um, but I eventually wanted to be a Spanish professor. So okay. I eventually um, learned Spanish. I went on a mission for my church. Um, I served in Peru and also New York City in the Bronx, Spanish Harlem, um, places where there's a lot of Spanish speakers. So that became a new hobby of mine and passion. And I really wanted to pursue that you know, in, in university. So, um, I haven't completed that, that process yet, but, um, it's still a passion of mine. And, you know, it's been a, especially here in in California, there's a lot of Spanish speakers Mm -hmm. and Latinos. And so it's been a blessing and, and really a, a gift for me to be able to, to know a second language, to be able to communicate with 50% more people essentially. Right. And it's also helped me with, you know, my career opportunities and jobs and things like that as well. Fast forwarding and you kind of have see these TV shows that talk about Mormon culture and kind of the environment. Do you think TV shows are placing a bad kind of identity on what goes on? Or do you feel that they're kind of accurate and people having their opinions are kind of kind of real in a way? would you say? Because there's a lot of TV shows. I know like um, 
TLC does stuff, Bravo does stuff. You see yeah. documentaries about it and where people like for myself who have never been in that culture, I'm only looking at it from an outside, but you're someone that's mm-hmm. been in it. What is your thoughts on people having that outside opinion and the accuracy of it? Yeah, you know, it's funny because as a Mormon, as a believing Mormon, I thought their perspective was completely false. Mm-hmm. Like they were just saying the, the wrong narrative um, anti-Mormon type stuff. Right. And that's what I was sort of raised to, to believe and think like. So once I left, I realized, oh, wow, actually a lot of these TV shows and, and documentaries are pretty spot on. And they're actually sh- had, have shed light on information that I never even knew about my own church. And I, and I thought I knew everything, you know, like growing up, I, I'm going to church every Sunday, going to church, you know, Every single day um, before school, we would have what was called seminary. Mm-hmm. So all the high school kids would go to uh, an early morning, like scripture study type class for like 50 minutes before school. So I was at church almost like five days a week, six days a week. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was a huge thing. But but yeah, going back to your question. Um, yeah, I would say those those types of um, shows and movies and things are, are pretty spot on. And it's funny. Cause I don't know if you've seen the episode on South park where they talk about Mormons. Have you I ever have seen? Not. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, they, they really portray the history of the church, like almost completely spot on. It's like <laughs> the most accurate version of the, of the story. And I had seen that episode while I was still a believing member of the church. And I was like, this is all BS. This is, this is just, you know, some crazy people trying to, you know, talk bad about us and things like that. Right. But it wasn't until I left and I realized, wow, like that was actually true, you know? And like, how could the rest of the world know that except and besides those of us who were in the church? So it was kind of like this, this bubble that we were in kind of like this sheltered bubble that, that sort of didn't allow other like outside information to come in. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, so yeah, that, yeah, it was a really interesting thing to, to see that. And um, yeah, it was difficult as well. It was difficult to go through that. I think a lot of people, even if they're not in like kind of that religious stage, even any like groups of friends, kind of like their other religions, they're kind of like, they're so involved with it that any outside things you just don't want to believe and kind of even right. any beliefs that people have. What is something positive that you got out of your experience in the Mormon church? There's got to be something. Did you learn something about yourself, a skill that you kind of utilize today? Absolutely. Yeah. Looking back, you know, I, you know, there's a lot of ex-Mormons that are really bitter and angry. And I went through that phase, but I'm in a place now where I can see the good that it taught me, Mm -hmm. you know, because it did teach me a lot of great things. It taught me how to be a good man, a, a good husband, a good father, uh, taught me good, good values, good, good ethics and morals. And, um, it serving a mission as a missionary taught me how to approach people and not be afraid to speak with a stranger and, you know, talk with them about faith and religion and things like that. So yeah, I would say those things are, are things that I'll never, ever regret, and things that I always hold really sacred to me because it, it did create 
and mold me into this person who I am now. Talk about the few years leading up to leaving the church. What was going on? And were you ever nervous about what's going to happen if I leave? Are friends, family not going to talk to me? Am I going to be disconnected completely? Yeah, that's that's another great question. You know, I so this was going back to 2015, January 2015. My brother-in-law, my sister, they were going through their own little faith crisis with the church. They were kind of discovering some new information that they never heard of. And they were, they actually called me and my wife as we were moving to Utah from California. So we had like this six hour conversation about a lot of their doubts they were having. And then that sort of opened up the door for me to be like, wait, is what they're, is what they're saying true? Like I need to investigate and research this stuff because I mean, my brother-in-law just told me he doesn't even believe in God. And I, and I was like broken. I was like, man, how do you, how can you not believe in God? Like this is, the church is everything for us. Like, what are you saying? You know, so I, I felt hurt and sad like for them, but it allowed me to go, okay, well, if what they're saying is true, I need to know. And if it's not true, I, I need to know as well. Mm-hmm. So I went on this, 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 um, this journey of just diving into the history of the church um, things that I never even knew happened and, and even current things that are happening still now. And so I, it's funny. Well, it's not really funny. It's probably sad, but I was living in Utah in this basement with my wife before we had kids. And I was just like obsessed with wanting to learn everything about the church. And as I learned more and more, I got scared. I got, I got really nervous. Like you said, I was really nervous and scared about, okay, like what's going to happen. Like, I, I, cause at that point I was like, I did none of these things resonate with me anymore. Like I, I just don't believe it anymore. Right. Um, and so of course I was, I was fearful of what my family would say or think my friends and my, you know, people from church and, you know, within Mormonism, I think within a lot of other religions that are really like, um, kind of close knitted communities are really strict like that. It's, it's, it's difficult to leave because there's so much like, how do you say there's so much like assumptions that are made about you mm-hmm. for why you left. It's like, Oh, he left because he wanted to go and sin and drink alcohol and party and do drugs. Um, that's like the typical narrative that people think. I mean, I thought that as a believer. So, and yeah, I was I was scared, man. I didn't even tell my wife a lot about these things that I was discovering because I didn't. And I should probably back up a little bit just to, for your listeners to understand. And for you, um, when you get married as a Mormon, you get married into the temple. And the temple is, is what is considered as the closest place on earth that you can be with God. Right. So we got married for what they call time and all eternity. So you're married forever. Even after you die, you, the next life, you're, you're, you know, eternally together. Um, so I was fearful of like her reaction to, you know, being like, how is our marriage going to be, you know, s- still stay intact if you don't no longer believe it. Right. So, you know, eventually I, I talked with her and, you know, there's definitely a couple months there where we were struggling and arguing and, and crying together and just, it just wasn't a good time. I was really depressed at that point. I, I, I was unemployed. 
So I was just in the basement. I never even would go outside, man. I was just in a dark basement in Utah, listening to podcasts about church history, reading, you know, journals, um, court documents, all types of sources of, of information. And it was really difficult for me. That's where my depression came back because I, I've suffered depression earlier in my life. And during that time, it was like, holy crap, like, because my whole life up until that point, I had been told all the answers. Like I, you know, the scriptures tell you all the answers, you know, the bishop or the pastor tells you all the answers. And you're sort of, at least in my experience, I, I felt like I was trained to believe that without really having my own, my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was difficult. I was, I, I definitely suffered depression during that time and just not knowing like, okay, how can I trust myself now that I don't believe this anymore? Like, how can I, how can I, you know, like, is there even a God? Is there, is there a Jesus? Is there something out there that's bigger than me? Um, And how do I know if that's true? Because my whole life I knew this was true. So now I'm like, how can I trust myself again? Right. So I was going through that battle within myself mentally and it was difficult. It's really difficult. I, I think a lot of people don't understand just how difficult it is to leave a religion that's so like that takes up so much of your life and your time and and your money as well. And so, yeah, it was really hard for me. And but I, I came out of it and, you know, I got through it. You know, my family reacted at first you know, of course they were obviously worried about me and sad for me and they wanted me to, to come back eventually. Right. Um, because what's interesting is that in Mormonism, families are like, see, they call it sealed together for time and all eternity. So after you die, the family is still together. But if someone, the doctrine is that if someone leaves the church or is like excommunicated, for example, like they lose all their, their blessings. So they, they can no longer be a part of that essentially. So, um, yeah, that was scary to have to like tell my family because it's like, I don't want to let them down. I don't want to hurt them, but I also want to be true to myself. So there was like this really like difficult, um, mental, like just, just a lot of cognitive dissonance and, um, self-doubt and worry and i was i found myself thinking more about other people at that time a little bit than myself and i think that's what made me more depressed because it was like i'm trying to search for my own truth but i also want to make other people happy and i was like i was a people pleaser right and so i i had to eventually break that in myself and just say you know what i have to just be authentic and be honest because if I'm, if I don't, then I'm not going to be happy, you know? Do you still have that connection with your family and friends that maybe they're still part of the church or have you been able to kind of have to separate yourself and you can't have that interaction still? Yeah. It's interesting because my family's amazing, man. I have to say my family's so great. Um, I mean, with that said, yeah, there were some hard times where they, may have said some things that were unthoughtful, right? But I understand why they would say things or think things like that because I used to think those things too, you know? So I understand both sides. Um, But I would say 
No, honestly, I, I mean, I've lost some friends. Like I noticed like after I left, I kind of like made a little Facebook public post about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I needed to just to get it off my chest and just to be heard and be listened to and feel validated. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I got, I got a lot of like people that would like respond to me, text me, message me, call me and be like trying to get, trying to get me to come back essentially. Right. Um, but I would say for the most part, no, man, I, I, I kept a lot of my friends, at least like the real ones. Right. Um, and the other ones were just kind of like kind of friends through church, right. That we never really actually hung out like outside of church. So it wasn't really a big deal. Um, but yeah, my family's great, man. My grandma's so sweet. She's, she's so, she's such a true believer, you know, and I, I would think of her often because I'm like, I I don't want to hurt my grandma, Mm -hmm. you know, like who knows how much longer she has on this earth. And as a grandma, you know, I think she has like 40 something grandchildren. There's a lot of us. Mormons have a lot of kids. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a very common thread within Mormonism is families. Family is like a big essential part, which is, which is amazing. It's important. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't want to let people down, you know, but, but no one, nobody abandoned me, but I do know stories of other people that, that weren't so lucky as me, you know, they were kicked out of their house. They lost their job because they worked for the church or they worked at BYU, which is a, which is a Mormon uh, church or a Mormon school. I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, I honestly, I, I could have had it way worse. So I feel very blessed and, and fortunate to not have lost you know, the really important connections and relationships in my life. You talked about going through depression. Did it ever get any more serious in like struggles or personal challenges that you faced? Um, You know what? So I would say it would kind of come and go after I left the church, which, which was in 2015, I went through, you know, the cycle of grief or the stages of grief and I, I kind of went through this phase of like anger and like resentment. And like, I felt like I was lied to my whole life. Right. Maybe not, maybe not intentionally, but I just felt like I, I fell for a scam. Like I, I got, I got duped. Right. So there was a lot of anger and resentment and then the depression would kind of come back. But as I, as I was moving through those, through those times of, um, depression it got easier for me so i i would say that the my depression was the worst during my faith crisis as i was discovering this new information um and then after i left honestly i felt this immense feeling of liberation and like freedom and happiness and it wasn't until after i left the church that i discovered all these new avenues of of life and new doors that were opening up in my life that i never even knew existed you know, so it's been, it's been really actually beautiful and amazing to see my life, new opportunities arrive that never would have been there if I would still be a Mormon, you know? You talked about the church was a huge part of your life and it kind of caused some damage to you personally. After leaving, do you feel that you're still trying to relive that and maybe your faith that you're going through right now, or you're kind of taking a back seat in a way, but more focusing on yourself, your marriage, your life that you want to live. 
Yeah, definitely. I, I would say I, I definitely am focused more on, on, like you said, my family now and what's happening in my life now. Um, I, yeah, I wouldn't say that I like have any, have any regrets, like I've said before, but I, I guess I did kind of take a, a back seat. Um, and I don't know, I feel like, I feel like it was, it all happened for a reason, I feel like. And I feel like the timing of it was like perfect. Looking back on it now, like this is my post hoc narrative of, of what happened. But I feel like when those things occurred, it just kind of aligned up to what my my life is and my path is now, you know, and it's been it's been a beautiful journey to to f- experience and to go through and, and to feel. And um, yeah, man, it's 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 been a crazy uh, ride, a, a wild roller coaster ups and downs throughout that. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I answered your question, um, well enough, (laughs) maybe maybe you want to ask it again. I'm not sure. (laughs) Kind of backtracking. We kind of talked about it even before the show, you went through a stage of addiction and the recovery stage that you're on now talk about that and talk about going through recovery and being sober through it now. And what's the biggest thing it has taught you? that someone maybe that's listening to this has is going through it or maybe Mm. is recovering from it also. Mm. Yes. Yes. You know, this is a really um, important topic for me. It's, I have a lot of compassion for people who suffer with addictions of any kinds. It could be drugs, porn, gambling, food, TV. I mean, a lot of us think in society that addiction is just drug related or, or alcohol related. Right. But it could be anything. It could be, working out, going to the gym. Right. So, um, you know, I, um, during my addiction, um, so for the listeners, you know, I, I got addicted to some opiate painkillers and I went through a phase in my life for about a year, year, year and a half or so. And I was a, I was a full blown addict, you know, and, um, I was using daily. It started out because I, had my wisdom teeth pulled out because it was a requirement to go on a mission. It was like a, as part of like the physical requirements for the doctors and everything. Right. So, and because I was going to a a foreign country, I had to get certain shots and everything. So anyways, I, um, they prescribed me uh, Vicodin, which is a very common prescription to to subscribe, uh, prescribe to people who have surgeries like that. Right. So I took that and, I remember a friend of mine was like, oh, dude, you're going to get Vicodin probably. You should definitely give me one. Like, they're oh, so bomb. And I was like, I didn't even know what it was. Like, I, I was so naive and like, with my Mormon homeschooled bubble that I was in, like, I didn't know b- about drugs really. You know what I mean? I, I never really was taught about drugs like, specifically. I just knew drugs were bad. But I knew medication was because like, medications from a doctor, right? So I remember one day... <laughs> I was actually on MySpace and actually, you know what? It wasn't MySpace. I think it was back in the day where it was the instant, the IM or the, the AIM, AIM. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> remember, the, remember those days? Um, so I was on there one day and I had taken one, one pill for the pain. It was mild pain. Right. And I did it just because I thought I was supposed to, you know, I took it, didn't really feel it. And I was like, what is my, what was my friend talking about? Like, why was my friend telling me? 
that this Viking would be so awesome. And why does, why did he like, why does she want one? You know? Mm -hmm. So I ended up taking two. And when I took two of them, that's when I really felt it do its thing. And I was like, Oh wow. I'm feeling really, really warm. And I feel good and confident. I feel happy. And at that point I was depressed and I, I didn't tell anyone about it. So I really like, it was a bandaid in a way of my, for my depression. Mm -hmm. And so I was on aim and I was just chatting with all my friends, just being so like energetic. And I just felt confident in myself for the first time in, in a while, you know, and then I go on my mission and then I come home early from that. And then, you know, I go through some, some challenging times where, you know, I, I was dating this girl and we had this really bad breakup we were sort of forced to break up by like our, our bishop in the church because we had sex, which is not good to do before marriage in the church. Right. And so um, I was what's called disfellowshipped by the church. Um, I'm sorry. I'm kind of going, making your, your question or my answer long, but I, I'm going I'm, I'm to get back to it. <laughs> um so, so after that, that breakup and my, me being disfellowshipped, it was, it brought me a lot of, um, just more depression and shame and guilt. Um, when you're disfellowshipped from the church, when you go to church, you're not even allowed to say a prayer. Like they'll, they'll have like three different meetings on Sundays. It's a three hour like block, um, of meetings. And so if you're, it's very common for someone to say, Hey, Brother Hampton, will you offer the closing prayer or the opening prayer? And if I was asked that, I was forced to say no, because I was disfellowshipped. But I could still pay tithing, which is kind of funny. But so I, I'm going through this. And then this is when I remember, oh, wow, I remember when I took Vicodin that one time, and it made me feel really good. And it helped me with my depression and my like self-confidence issues. And so Long story short, I got into, you know, more opiates, some stronger ones. Oxycontin was the main one. And um, it, it was my best friend. It was my, it was like my girlfriend who hated me and I hated her. Oh. You know what I mean? And so, and I think, I think a lot of addicts can relate to this because they, they love their drug of choice, but they hate it at the same time. Um, and, and my advice to those who are struggling with addiction is that you're not alone and don't be afraid to ask for help. Cause I was, I, I didn't, I hid that from everyone. My parents had no idea. I mean, I, I was a functional addict. I was, I had a full-time job. I never like stole. I never did the typical like addict type lifestyle living under a bridge type thing. You know um, I had a full-time job working 60 hours a week, um, but all my money went to, to the drugs. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that was a hard thing, but you know, I, I would say ask for help. Don't be afraid. Go to your best friend, go to your, your brother, or your sister. And, and for me, that was hard for me to do because growing up, I was one to keep all my emotions inside. I kept everything in and it was hard to express myself. It was hard to to explain to other people what I was going through, what I was feeling. And be, I think that's also stems from the church a little bit because the church sort of teaches you like to be a good person and to like 
to to have a good appearance and to look good and to to act well and to be you know be moral and things so i didn't want to tell anyone because i didn't want to be embarrassed and, and be judged um but i think we we as a society need to just let that go and because it's it's i mean addiction is a really it's a real thing it's an, it's a disease and people don't necessarily understand how how severe that can be and so if anyone's listening who is suffering with an addiction of any kind, it could be drugs. It could, and we talked about it before. It could be gambling. It could be anything. You know, um, I would say, you know, start journaling, for example. Find find what you have passions for in your life. It could be music. It could be meditation. It could be anything. Dancing. Um, try to go back to the things that you enjoy and and just ask for help. Don't be afraid even if it's a stranger, go on like Reddit or go on like mm-hmm. some forum and just that way you're anonymous. No one knows you. It's not so judgmental because they understand they've been there too. Yeah. So I would say, I would say start there. If, if you're too afraid to go to someone close, go online and reach out to a, a, a sobriety community of some kind. I think that would be a great place to start. And I wish that I, I would have done that back then. Looking at the present now, you talked about the church kind of made you think that I have to be this certain way. Are you still that same person or do you feel that you're kind of coming out of your shell and kind of not saying like risky behavior, but kind Mm -hmm. of being more out there than kind of being this perfect image of a person? Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, it was a huge, huge um change in my life you know i i really discovered myself for who i really was and i had no 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 shame of expressing who i was and who i was becoming um and it it was a blessing in disguise because like i said before leaving it was so hard so challenging made me depressed and then when i really found myself over the the years it it really changed me and allowed me to to feel confident in myself to not be afraid of being judged and just to, just to own it and be authentic. And I think that's what really has, has kept me, kept me sane, kept me happy and kept me, you know, off the, off the wrong path in life. You know, it's kept me away from, from other drugs that I could have been addicted to or or anything else that may have been bad for my life. And yeah, it's definitely made me come out of my shell so much. I have no shame in, and saying whatever I want to say. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's so bizarre to see looking back now, how like just the huge difference it was as a Mormon and then as an ex Mormon or post Mormon, just how the difference in my life has been, like how I've changed and evolved. And that kind of goes to my, my podcast, evolving minds, you know, I've evolved, and we all evolve, right? I mean, evolutionary speaking, of course, biologically speaking, but but also just our mindsets, our actions, our behaviors, our beliefs and opinions that can go for religion, politics, whatever it is. And so it's been something that I've discovered in myself, like, wow, this is really cool that I could actually do things for myself and not feel guilt and not feel embarrassed. And it's, man, the feeling of that is just priceless i mean i i I can't put a price on that i think that's definitely something that 
people can relate to, even if it's not in that same same kind of situation that you're going mm-hmm. through, but where they're kind of in the shell and they can't really be themselves. And yeah. I think the best way is where you can be unique. Don't think about how other people think you should act. Just be yourself because I'd rather be real and authentic than a fake persona. And yeah. that's all that that person or a friend, because yep. my friends don't like who I am as a person. I don't want to be friends with them. I want them to be friends yes. with me for who I am as a person. So it's fu- great to hear that you're able to come out of that shell and be who you are, because a lot of people probably hadn't seen that in a while. And now yes. they're like, oh, okay, this is like a new Phil coming out. <laughs> totally. Totally. That's definitely true. And it's, 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 um, it's interesting too, because, you know, um, as you were saying, coming out of my shell, it's, it's, um, it's, it's crazy, man. My thoughts are just going all over the place because this is like a really, a really it was something in my life that's, it was really impactful. And it's, it was the, the catalyst that allowed me to change and evolve to the person who I am now. Yeah. And, and, and what you were saying before, like, it's like, is it better to please your friends, but be unhappy or is it better to be authentic and be happy and lose some friends and, and just have a better life? Cause like, you're not going to live for your friends. You're not going to, you're not going to have your friends your whole life. Right. So why try to make, or your family or whatever, why try to make them happy based on something that's not even true because it's only going to hurt you. Right. Yeah. So so yeah, I think that's really important to 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 understand and to try to live out that way. It's like the phrase, and I'm going to get this wrong because my mom tells me it all the time, but I always <laughs> say it wrong. You have those friends that are for that time, for a season, or for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they come and go, but the true ones last forever. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. you talked about earlier that your parents didn't let you play contact sports. Does Phil <laughs> yeah. now play recreational contact sports now? I don't actually. No, I don't. Oh. You know, I I wish <laughs> I, I I mean, I've uh, I used to play um like some pickup basketball games and things, but I mean, that was probably the the most of the, the extent of that. But I I've, I've enjoyed, you know, watching sports and things like that. You know, and and now I'm not as much into it just because I have a family and three kids and not much time to, to, <laughs> yeah. to, to do things. So, so yeah. Now we kind of touched on it with the shows and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now where you are today, are you able to watch those kind of shows and be like, okay, like it doesn't affect you or yes. you kind of stay away. Cause well, you mentioned that you family and you got a lot going on, but mm-hmm. I think a lot of, ex-Mormons they probably can't watch it or they're wanting to watch it because they're curious yeah yeah I think it goes both ways I think people can be triggered by it so they avoid it because it, it can bring up those those old traumas and, and you know feelings of of anger or, or sadness or whatever um for me I would say it, it doesn't bother me anymore you know I would say two I would say about a year and a half two years ago it did bother me and as much as I would like to think that i thought that it didn't bother me it it really did deep down and and at that point i had already left the church for like it had been five years Mm -hmm. and i thought i was over it but i think deep down there was still some healing to be done just like in my subconscious and um yeah it wasn't until 
2020 when I really started to kind of get back into spirituality. Cause at, after leaving the church, I, I was an atheist. I was like, I don't believe in God. Like, cause I was taught God was like this my whole life. And now that I don't believe that, I don't know what to like, how to go about believing something different. And I said it earlier, I just, how, how it was hard to trust myself. Like, how can I trust myself to believe a different religion? Because I don't want to be duped again. I don't want to be tricked. I don't want to be lied to about historical facts about the church or, or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely. As a fellow podcast host, is your show a way for, you kind of mentioned a little bit about what it's about, but was it a big thing for you to be able to be open and communicate your story while also communicating other people's stories? Yes, super important. You know, I, I've had guests on that are active Mormons still that are friends of mine. And then I've had guests on that are ex-Mormons or not even Mormons at all, right? Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing now because now that I'm in the place where I'm at, I can see the beauty in both sides. You know, I see the beauty in, in those who, who still believe and I see the beauty in those who, who don't. And I, I think everyone has their own personal path in, in, in their life, their own journey and everyone paths, everyone's path looks different, but I believe that path leads us to the same place. Yep. Whatever that place looks like. You know, if, if, if it's a God or five gods or a goddess or source, energy, power, whatever you want to call, you know, that, that, that higher divinity. Um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of beauty to be found there. And I feel like to, with my podcast, speaking with people on, on both sides or on all sides of the spectrum of belief and, and disbelief, it's been really interesting for me to hear their stories because I can relate with them as as a believer when I was a believer and also for, to those who no longer believe. So I, I, I have a lot of respect for those who are still in the church. Like even my family, like all my family's still active except for um, two of my siblings and their, their husbands. And it's, it's really cool, man, because it's, you know, a couple of years ago, like I said, I, I probably couldn't have, I probably wouldn't be so, so easy going with with that i I would have had a problem like i don't want to have this active mormon on my podcast like this is dumb right but now i'm in a place where i'm like no i think i think belief in any religion is is beautiful and i respect it and like i said everyone has their own journey and if 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 your journey is to stay in the mormon church or the catholic church or whatever the church it is good on you like that's amazing if it keeps you you know, keeps you um, happy and, and it's, you know, brings you a, a sense of community. Um, I mean, more power to you. That, I think that's amazing. And I think touching on that part of the community aspect, that was the hardest part, I think, after leaving, because like, I didn't have that anymore. Because most of my friends, like 90% of them were Mormon, mm-hmm. you know, so it was like, now that I don't see them anymore, and they see me as like this anti-Mormon hater or whatever. Um, it was it was interesting to see just like the evolution of, of how the whole process, you know, ended up occurring. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride, like I said. <laughs> 
I think what you're doing, where you're sharing stories and even your story is so inspiring to so many people, because that's the same mission I have with mine. I look yeah. for guests that I want to learn more. And that mm-hmm. was even the first thing when I saw you is like, I have no, no knowledge of anything. And <laughs> But my mission was to learn something that I don't know, because mm-hmm. we can take anyone's story and even our listeners, they can take one thing, utilize it in their life adapted in their life, or they might be going through something similar and they want to learn how can they cope or overcome a challenge Mm -hmm. that they have. And so for you being so open about it is so welcoming for everyone that's listening to this. So we we really appreciate that. And I've learned so much. Um, And that's why I asked those questions, because it's like, you, you get this opportunity and it's like, okay, I see the TV shows and that's the only thing I know of. But now talking to someone who lived it, it's like, okay, trying to match things up and see what, what's the difference? What's the similarities? Yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to, 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 I mean, for you, you, for example, you as a podcast host, I mean, I'm sure you've heard many stories um, that, and it's fun too, as, as you know, myself being a podcast host, it's, it's such a fun thing to learn other people's stories because I love to learn and it seems like you love to learn as well. Yep. And I have a, a, just a really big passion for learning anything and everything. And I have a really open mind now before as, as a Mormon, my mind was closed, even though I thought it wasn't, <laughs> but after leaving, I realized from a, like outsider's perspective, like, no, I was actually really closed minded and I didn't really have my own. I couldn't think for myself. Right. And so when I left, I was like, wow, I can actually like consider different ideas and different beliefs. Like that's actually a thing. Like I didn't mm-hmm. even know that could be a thing because I, I only knew what I knew because I was born into it. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it's crazy to, to see just how things change in life. And it's, it's allowed me to have a desire to learn other people's stories and try to relate with them and understand them. And just have compassion and love. You know, I think that's so important nowadays um, to to give people validation, to show them that you understand them, that you care about them, and that you genuinely want to to learn about their their story, their life. You know, and one of the great things that I really love about doing my podcast, and same thing for you, is just how beneficial it can be for other people. Yep. You know, like I, I've, I've received so many messages from people saying how they love the podcast, how they learned something from that specific guest that I had on, um, and just how it's helped them. And it's like, wow, that it means so much to, to hear that, to know that someone was affected by what my guest said or what may, maybe I had said. And it's like, you know, if we can all just kind of keep on being open and honest about these things and just talk openly and not be afraid it's, it allows those who might still be afraid to come out of their shell as well. So that's, that's probably the most beautiful thing I think that I've seen so far. And with my podcast, I had that moment where I, I mean, I have my own story and my episodes, I usually sprinkle it in there in different ways. And if there's a guest that truly we have the same story that you might hear a lot more but I was, af- I was afraid to really dive deep into my story. And I finally did my first interview. And I had that same reaction where someone reached out to me that I was connected with. And I didn't know that they had the same story as me. And now it's mm-hmm. like, 
we can talk even more about yes. it because mm-hmm. I now know. And I always say one, one person, if they learn something, it helps them. I did something. Yes. It's not like I need like thousands of people. I mean, that would be amazing, but it's not like sure. I'm going out there looking for a specific number because right. you look at that number and you don't hit it. You're just going to get feel even worse about yourself. Totally. Yeah. If you have an expectation of, Oh, I want to have a thousand listeners or a thousand followers. It's like, you're going to get let down and it's not a reasonable, (laughs) like, like it's not a genuine like reason. Like that's, if you have that mindset, you probably shouldn't be doing it in the first place. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and with my podcast, it's really centered on just authenticity, realness, rawness. You know, we talk about people's stories of addiction, suicide attempts, um, all types of things, man. And it's, it's, you know, like we've said before, it just gives people an opportunity to be more open-minded and compassionate for others and to also create them or to allow themselves to open their mind more and think what, what's going on in their life and what they can do to, to rise their, to their challenge. Right. And to, to, to become better and to, to overcome whatever obstacles is, is going on in their life. And, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years, both personally and professionally? Great question. Um, I would say personally, I, I have plans to con- obviously continuing my podcast. Um, and I, I, you know, a deep desire of mine is, is, and I know we've kind of talked about it already, but it's just to continue what, what you're like doing things like that you're doing and that I'm doing with podcasts, allowing people to share their stories. I want to continue that. And I want to try to help people as much as I can. And, um, it's also kind of selfish for me about the podcast because I really love to ask this one specific question. I'm sure you've seen it where I asked them if you could share one message to the entire world. Mm-hmm. What would that message be? So I love to hear everyone's different responses because everyone's is different. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. I never thought about it like that. Or that's a really cool thought. And I just love that for myself, like just in a selfish way. Um, it's really cool to see it. So I really want to pursue that and continue that. Um, and then professionally, um, I really want to get into to to Spanish, teaching Spanish, whether it's high school or like in a university um, or like translation interpretation type type work. Uh, I've just I've always had a have a a love and a a passion for that language and that culture. And um, you know, living in Peru and in New York for a while, I really got to be exposed to different different people, different cultures, different foods, different music, and different different lifestyles. Right? And it's it really as a Mormon, I was and I mentioned this earlier, I was closed-minded. So I, I wasn't exposed to other people. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I went to Peru, I was totally culture shocked. I was like, how are people driving like this? Like 20 people on a small little van and there there's no stop signs and it's all right. Um, but I really loved, I really um, came to this point to, to loving the people and appreciating their culture um, without appropriating it and just, just being able to connect with more people. And, um, you know, Spanish has been something that has allowed me to, um, you know, 
progress in my life, both, both personally and professionally. And, you know, like I said before, being in California, there's, there's so many Spanish speakers. Yep. And so, yeah. And so, um, I, I just love Spanish. I, I became really obsessed with it. I would, and I, I, I learned it in, in college, of course, and then living abroad. But I would also, after that, I would go on like these Spanish learning apps just to like maintain and learn new vocabulary. I would, I would even make little flashcards, like little, like one inch length, um, little flashcards with vocabulary words or whatever. Cause I wanted to really like master my Spanish because I really wanted to teach it. So like you have to really put in all those hours of, of learning it in order to teach it. Right. And so, um, yeah, I think that would be something that I look forward to in, in, in my career in the next few years. Um, just have to finish some schooling. So that's kind of the, <laughs> the hard part, <laughs> the slow part. But um, yeah, that's definitely something that I want to pursue. And um, it's something that I really love. And, you know, people always say, do what you love, right? Yep. And it's difficult because it's like, I think there a couple of weeks ago, I saw this article and it was like 65% of people hate their jobs or something, right? Oh. And it's like, it's so true. Like a lot of people are just so un, uh, discontent with their with their job and they don't know what to do. They don't know they should quit because if they quit, then what about money? Right. Um, but I, what I've learned is to not be afraid or too attached to that idea or that fear of missing out on something due to, you know, you wanting to pursue your passion instead of just your nine to five type job. Right. Um, and just really, understanding that there's more more opportunities there's i mean you know living in america we have so much opportunity so much so much uh freedom and and things that we can do to do whatever we want you know and, and that's what's so beautiful i think and um it's it's a little bit sad when i see people that hate their jobs because it i've been there before where i'd come home from work and i'm like i'm stressed out and then i would you know, react negatively with my wife or my kids due to my job. And I'm like, oh, I hate my job. You know, how am I going to be happy every single day? Um, and what's changed that for me? Cause there actually came a point in my life about seven. Um, actually it was last June. So almost a year ago, but I got to this point where I almost quit my job. Like I was so fed up that I was like, you know what? I'm just going to quit without notice. I'm just going to drive home and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm done. Cause I was just, I was just so stressed with, with my workload and I felt like I was um, underappreciated and just doing like three jobs in one and not really being paid accordingly. Right. And I, I got to this point where I was like, you know what? Like, obviously I can't quit because if I do, how am I going to support my family? Mm -hmm. Um, and so this is where the the plant medicine stuff comes in for me. I I went and did what was what's called ayahuasca. I don't know if you've heard of that before. It's I'll, I'll I'll explain what it is for the listeners and for you. So basically, it's this Amazonian brew from the Amazon jungle that's been used for ten thousand years or more, and it's a psychedelic. It has DMT in it. Maybe you've heard of DMT. A little bit. Okay. So it's a very powerful psychedelic, but it's, it's used in a, like a ceremonial, traditional, like healing type way. 
it's not like a party drug where you get high and like drunk feeling. It's a very, it's a very, um, internal experience where things come up for you that, that you never even knew were there from your past, past traumas, um, you know, just in your subconscious. Right. And so things came up for me and I really was able to see sort of what I needed to fix in my life and change. And I went and did ayahuasca. It was a one night thing. And I came back to it, back to work on Monday. And I no longer had that desire to quit my job. I I, I was able to kind of just cope and, and change my mindset of how I viewed my job instead of, instead of being so like, Oh, this is so annoying. This is, this is, this is dumb. Why are they doing this? You know what I mean? And it it made me, it honestly changed my life in many ways, many, many, many things that are, are, are really sacred to me that, that I won't share, but, but it definitely um, helped my marriage out a lot. You know, my wife and I were struggling a little bit with, with our marriage. And when I went and did that, um, it really saved our marriage. It was a, an amazing experience, but back to the ayahuasca. So yeah, it's a psychedelic um, plant. There, there are two plants typically that are, that are mixed together. And I'm trying to think how I can describe it. Cause it's very hard to describe. It's really ineffable, but it's, it's, it's a very, like I said, it's a very personal experience. Things come up that, that you need to see. And it's, it's, the main intent of doing it is for healing. And a lot of people go and do it because maybe they're addicted to alcohol or cigarettes, or maybe they're just having like this roadblock in their life where they don't know what to do with their life. And maybe they need some, some guidance or direction. Um, and there's been a lot of studies done scientifically where these types of plants are, are beneficial medically, you know, and they can, they can help with, you know, cravings of alcohol or cigarettes or whatever substance people are are abusing. And uh, I've heard and seen truly like magical, amazing um, transformations from people from doing things like that. So I see it. And and I know it sounds strange. Probably some of the listeners are are probably thinking, didn't this guy have an addiction to one drug and why is he doing another drug later? Right. Um, But so what I, what I would say to maybe those listeners is the intention behind it. So like before my intention for doing opiates, painkillers was because I was depressed and I wanted to numb myself and just feel good. And it was a bandaid. It was a, it was a band, a bandaid that, that really messed me up for a while, you know? Um, and so, you know, going to do something like ayahuasca is such a profound experience that can really change your life. And like I said, it really changed the course of my life. And it, it allowed me to view people and life in such a more profound way. Like I had, it allowed me to see myself for who I really am and who I'm going to become. And just to be able to, to love and appreciate what I have in my life. What, what you know, like my, for example, my kids, my wife, nature, going outside, just the simple things in life that we often take for granted, you know? And um, so I think for those who are going through a traumatic 
experience in their life. Um, I think it could be a good thing for some people. I don't want to say, I mean, I'm not a professional, I'm not a doctor, so I want to make that clear. But I think for me, it was something that I really needed and it really helped me. So I, I want to make it clear too that it's not for everybody. You know, there there are things that, you know, if you're taking certain medications, for example, you you can't do ayahuasca because there's mm-hmm. contraindications that could come up and, you know, it could be somewhat dangerous. Um, and it's not for everyone. Not everyone needs to go and do it. You know, I, I've, I've, I've been really advocating mental health and speaking about it and just being open about my own challenges with, with my depression and anxiety. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just so amazing to me to see, because I feel like, I mean, I'm not sure if you know about what's going on with all these studies, like at John Hopkins and all these different um, you know, universities and, and scientists that are discovering or, or studying this stuff. Um, and they're finding that there's so much, you know, medical value to things like this that can, and it's actually being used in treatment and psychotherapy. And so it's, it's can be really useful for a lot of people. And I found a lot of utility in that. Um, so it's been, it's been, um, it's been amazing. And, um, you know, for those who might be curious about it, I would say, um, you know, have an open mind if, you, if you're curious, but but don't do it with the for the wrong reasons. I did it with the intention to to heal from leaving the church. That was one of the main things because I realized, man, I'm still holding on to that. Like I, I, I haven't let go of it. So once I went and, and did that, I came back and I was like, wow now I know what I'm supposed to do. Cause I, at, at that time I had submitted or I was going to submit my resignation papers to resign from the church, like officially. And I was sort of like, I don't know if I should, I knew I wanted to. Um, and so once I did ayahuasca, it really showed me like, yeah, this is your purpose in your life. Like you're, you're supposed to do this. Like it no longer serves you. You know what I mean? And you just have to surrender and let that go. So that's what I did. And ever since then, it's made me appreciate everyone even more. Um, so it's it's honestly been so trans transformative and life changing for me in, in in many ways, man. It's it's been a a beautiful journey. You talked about on your show that one question you asked your guests. Well, now I'm going to put you in the hot seat <laughs> and ask that same question but in our <laughs> show's way. Sure. For someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? Mm, I love the question. I love the question, Alex. Um, You know what? I would say, I sort of said this earlier, but there's so many messages I could say. Um, (laughs) I think the first most important thing is learn to love yourself. I think a lot of people have a lot of self-doubt, self-confidence issues and things like that. Because, you know, nowadays with social media, we see all these things that it's like, you have to be a certain way to be happy. You have to look a certain way to be happy. And a lot of that's just BS. A lot of it's, they're just posting the good stuff and not showing the bad stuff. Yep. And they're being fake. And it's like, you're, you're, you're showing, especially if you have a large following, you're in this big influencer 
it, it can be really damaging for those that are following you if it's not a real authentic like experience or, or, or you know what I mean? So um, I think that's a problem within society. And um, so learn to love yourself, learn to be able to do things for yourself. Um, don't necessarily rely on someone else to tell you the answers or to give you the answers or to tell you what to do. Like you can do it within your, for yourself. It's already within you. You just don't know it. Yep. So, so learn to love yourself. That's the first thing. Um, and then I would say, secondly, forgive yourself. Because I think a lot of us also feel guilt and shame for certain things we've done or said to people, um, whatever it is. And I think that holds us back from, from changing and from, from pro- progressing and to be a be- become a better person. Right. So, so forgive yourself, you know, like it's okay. Like, you know, if, and if forgiving yourself means reaching out to that certain person, then, then do that. If it me, if it also means just forgiving yourself because you've had negative thoughts or, or negative feelings, like just go deep within yourself because you have that power already there. Um, and then I would also say, mm, this is such an interesting question because it's like, there's so many answers I could say. <laughs> um, but the next one I would say is don't be afraid to ask for help, which is kind of what I mentioned earlier, but it's something that I regret not doing. You know, if I would have just told one of my siblings hey, like, I'm really struggling with depression right now. And I'm addicted to to painkillers. Can you please help me? Like, you know, and so I look back, and I'm like, man, I wish I would have done that. But at the same time, I, I had to go through that experience to become who I am now. So so there's no really like right or wrong way of, of doing something. But um, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Because people are so willing to help you people people love you. You know, everyone has someone that is in their life that, that cares for you, whether we know it or not, you know, it could be a parent, it could be a grandma, it could be a friend at work, it could be anyone. Mm-hmm. So reach out to those people that, you know, who are genuinely compassionate towards you and care. Um, and like I said before, if you are fearful of that, go online, go on Reddit, go on, join a Facebook group. That's private that no one can see your stuff and just, interact there. That's a good place to start. Um, th- that those are things that I did and that really helped me. So I would say that as well. I have probably 20 other things, but I don't want to say too much. <laughs> well, Phil, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their right to challenge. Remember to follow, subscribe, and all major audio platforms. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to the point episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.